his family didn't wake up to the gunshot. What kind of alarm do they use to wake up in the morning? Like, <gasps> That's what I'm saying. Hello, it's Jasmine. And it's Haley. And welcome back to Colts. Oh, conspiracies. <laughs> and other creepies. Kind of messed that up, but you, you know, did. You did. I'm, I'm, I'm. I know you. You got it. But yeah, we have. Well, actually, I have some really exciting news, and I haven't even really told Haley that much about this yet. She knows, but so we all know Investigation Discovery. We're all obsessed with it. You know, I spent my whole childhood watching it, and just recently, I actually worked on one of their shows. It was so fun and. It was for a case that's more local, and I'm not going to, like, say what the case is because it could be, like, confidential, and I literally just did this, but I went with this guy who was an old um, cop. Mm -hmm. He's retired now, and we went into this, like, deep, dark room. We went down these stairs, and there's <gasps> case files everywhere. Please. Please tell me you at least told some people about our podcast. No. <laughs> I would tell somebody be like, I love the opportunity. I even have my own podcast about like the stuff. I was just trying to be super professional, you know. You can still be professional and shout out your podcast or whatever. I don't know. I was just I was too focused, I guess. But basically, what I had to do was so there's this murder, and they have a bunch of tapes, you know, and they're cassette tapes. So I had to transcribe those into a digital file. So those take a long time, but. I also got to, like, scan a bunch of transcripts for the interviews, and I actually got to touch things that were, like, on the victim at the time, so they had, like, old blood on them, and I had, like, a napkin. Like, I was I was trying to be sanitary, and I got to see all the crime scene photos and, like, the gun, and it was so fun, and I was trying not to freak out too much, but the guy I was actually working with was a character, too. Like, he would look at this super gory picture, and he'd be like, wow, cover girl's prettier, isn't she? <laughs> Like, someone has their whole, like, forehead peeled off in an autopsy, and he's, like, looking at it, he's like, wow, look at that. <laughs> well, so how does it feel, like, actually getting to, like, touch evidence and, like, seeing, oh like, actual, gosh. like, crime stuff? It is so fun. I felt like a private investigator. It was so cool. And also just, it's two of my favorite things, you know, film and TV, and then crime. Not that I love that crimes happen, but you know what I'm saying. <sighs> you don't, hold on. I like to phrase it as I have an interest in the crime field because That's it doesn't because it doesn't make it you sound like you're like Crazy. oh yeah I love serial killers I want to learn from them but you're like I am interested in how they do this and why people do it so yeah exactly you just gotta phrase it just right but I got offered a bunch of jobs in L A because. You know, the people who make these shows are out in L.A., so I was on the phone with them constantly, sending them stuff, and they're going to pay me, too, but I was, like, on the phone with them, and one girl, one of the producers, she's like, yeah, if you ever want a job out here in L.A., like, we can fix you up. We need smart people like you, and then also another guy I was talking to, because there's two of them, different, charge of different things, and he also is like, so, are you graduated? Like, do you plan on moving to L.A. soon? Do you need a job? Like, if you need anything, I was just freaking out. I was like, oh, my gosh, if I wanted to, I could move to L.A. right now and work somewhere. Like, seriously, I want to drop out of college sometimes. <laughs> well, at least you will have a good paying job. Yeah, true. True. 
So yeah, that's my main news. But oh, also, um, Nixium. Do you remember when I talked about Nixium? Yes. The guy Keith Rainier was just sentenced. He was found guilty. Oh yeah, I read about that. Yeah. So he's gonna appeal it probably. But yay! <laughs> that evil dude will hopefully get what's coming to him. Yes. So let's get started. We have a whole lot of filming. <laughs> yes. So do you want me to start? Or do you want to start? Do you want me to start for once? Yeah, you can start because I'm going to get a little ranty because I'm talking about the opioid epidemic. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have a kind of a two-parter, which I divide up into the first one, two crime, and second one, paranormal, because it worked out that way. But I'm talking about the... Amityville. 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 No. I was going to say, guess what it was? Because you recommended this case, yes. Emilyville, I'm uh, the killing, the because you know about the haunting and all that, which I'm going to talk in the next part, but not a lot of people talk about the actual killing that happened there. They kind of like breeze over it. Mm-hmm. But this is crazy, okay? So this is a crime. Like, for real, I'm surprised not more people talk about it because this kind of gives a reason than to the other one. Yeah, like why it was haunted. Yeah, this is why I wanted to buy up into two parts about the killing instead of just combining it all together. Because I was listening to... usually people kind of breeze over this when they talk about yeah. it. They're like, well, there was some murders here. And, oh, let's talk about haunting. No, it is crazy. Okay, so early in the morning, six people are dead. Okay? Six by gunshot. Like, the only one that survived the killing, it's this 23-year-old man named Jafont, and he enters this bar that's, like, really close to the, like, Anne house, okay, in Long Island, New York, okay, and he's like, help me, I think my parents are shot, like, I have, like, four other siblings, I'm trying to do math right, I think I did that wrong, but yeah, so he gets to a whole bunch of people, they go to the bar, mm-hmm. well, they go to the house, people from the bar go to the house, okay, so... They're, like, freaking out. They're, like, oh, my God. Like, how did you make it out? And the guy was, like, well, his nickname was Butch. He was, like, he was the eldest son of the family. And he was, like, the mob. The mob killed, like, my family, like, just out of his mind, like, saying it was a mob, okay? So Defoe was saying the mob killed Yeah, Defoe, yeah. Okay. And the police was, like, you kind of seem sketchy. Okay, because how are you the only one still alive mm-hmm. when the rest of your family members are dead? Mm-hmm. So, the police uh, interrogated him for 12 hours. Well, he kept changing his story. And then they finally got him to admit that he killed them. He killed his entire family? Yes, he killed them. Mm. And he said that... Um, the reason why he killed them because he heard voices and was telling, like, the voices was telling him that he needed to kill them. Ooh. So do you think he had, like, some mental health issues? I will get to that. So I'm going to talk about more about the crime itself. So this happened early in the morning. The family was all dead, found dead, in their pajamas, all face down. So, like, mm-hmm. their backs, like, you would get to the backs. They were all shot. I do not have in my notes the gun, um, because 
I don't really know that much about guns, so it kind of didn't really felt like important kind of to name the gun. Um, you can look that up, but the thing is, the gun that he used to kill his family is like very loud. Like any gun is very loud. Mm-hmm. It was a type of shotgun, and they're like, "Well, there's a bar bar a mile away. There's neighbors all around. No one heard someone like get shot, scream, or none of that. Mm-hmm. How do one man shoot all his family?" Without the neighbors hearing, without no one escaping, shot in the same spot. Because for real, all the family, the parents had two gunshot wounds, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the children had, like, the kids and siblings got one. So mm-hmm. how do you shoot one person at a time with one shot? And the whole family not wake up. Not wake up. No one hears it. Nothing. They heard their, like, the family dog dog barking, like the neighbors did, but no one heard the gunshots. Wow. And they knew exactly what the weapon was, and, like, they knew it was, like, quite a, like, a loud gun and everything. And he was like, yes, this is the gun I used. But the thing is, they don't know if there's other people were helping him or not. Yeah, I've heard some people say they think maybe there's a group of people. Yeah, they think that maybe... So they uh, all shot him around the same time, time, so if they woke up, it wouldn't matter. Yeah, because they think, like, maybe... Because he, he was a usual at the bar. Mm-hmm. So, one of the theories is that um, he got a whole bunch of his friends to help him, and he was the one that got caught. Ooh. Okay, but let's talk about how they didn't wait... If, if he did shoot them all himself, and his family didn't wake up to the gunshot, what kind of alarm do they use to wake up in the morning? Like, seriously? <gasps> That's what I'm saying! And you know what he said? Like, he was like... Because at first, um, you know, families have, like, family dinners and all that, and he was like, well, you know, I didn't hear it. And then he was like, the mob did, because um, Defoe's family kind of had these connections to the mob. They were not that big, but they were mm-hmm. big, and they were like... You're the only one that survived if the mob was really out to get you. And he's like, they drug me around and they shot them all one by one. Yeah. Yeah. And if he was tell, the mob wouldn't want him to go and tell well, everyone yeah. either. So they would kill him by this time. Yeah. So Defoe's trial began in October 14th, 1975. By the way, this is like all in the 70s, okay? Mm-hmm. When this crime happened, his lawyer was like, we got plea insanity, like, you know, the fending lawyer was like, well, he's insane. And then, you know, the other lawyer is like, eh, I'm not saying as much. Mm-hmm. But um, they kind of diagnosed him with a different disorder because antisocial personality was, what's the word I'm looking for? Like schizophrenic? I, no, I'm looking for the word because there's a uh, defense attorney and then there's the... You get one. Oh, the prosecution? Prosecution. That's the word I was yeah, looking for. Yeah, I was for. just working in the prosecution. office. Yeah. <laughs> so the prosecution was like, no, he just got antisocial personality, which won't affect, like, you know right from wrong. Mm-hmm. And the defense lawyer was like, yeah, no, he's, like, schizophrenic. Like, he's, like, messed up. Well, you got to realize that the font was on heroin, LSD, like, a whole bunch of weird drugs Ooh. that make you, yeah. So maybe the voices he was hearing was because of his drug use. Yeah. Yeah. So the prosecutor used that 
kind of like was saying like, hey, you know, he got this, but he also was on all these drugs. Mm -hmm. Really, was he insane or was he on like drugs? So, yeah. So in uh, November 21st, 1975, uh, he was found guilty on seven counts of second degree murder. And he was sentenced to uh, six consecutive years, 25 to life. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, so he's not getting out. <laughs> he's not getting out. But yeah. Um, Wait, so this was in the 1970s? Yeah. Oh, I had the impression that it was like in the 1800s for some reason. No, day. no. It was real recently. Like, um, I'll get into my next thing, but they moved into the house probably, let's say, a year or two later after this happened. The the haunting. The haunting family. because, yeah, um, I'll just say this now in this part, but um, the reason why they got the house so cheap was because this murder just happened. And no one wants a house where yeah, yeah. a whole family was murdered. Where a whole family got murdered. So, yeah. In their sleep. <laughs> yeah. And this is the thing that I do not get out of everything was that no one heard the gunshots. That's the thing. I'm like, I wish... Especially if they were sleeping in the same room, like children. That's what I'm getting. Like I'm like, yes, it's not a big crime, and there's not a lot of details because he like, um, did it and said, okay, after twenty, twelve hours, was like, okay, yeah, I did it. Like, yeah. If you're not woken up by a gunshot, talk about a heavy sleeper. That's what got me upset. Is because I was like, okay, because yeah, because there was a lot of podcasters and they're like, yeah, I shot guns and I know how loud they are. You have to wear earphones headphones for majority of guns Mm -hmm. and they're like this is a shotgun so you wouldn't hear it and just how like everything was because it was like the placement of them and like no one hearing the gunshots like how did no one wake up and start running away because they were all in their beds see that that's what makes me think maybe there was a group of people involved. That's what but I'm saying. Who, though? That's the problem. Was he in the mob, maybe? Mm. The mob pinned it on him. I don't know. But yeah, it was just crazy because it was like, how do you not hear him? And like, I don't know. It's just crazy. It just blows my mind for all. Like, how did no one hear it? How did no one move an inch or anything? Yeah, I don't get that. This is why we need to talk more about the killing, because it's so crazy. And then it gets into the haunting. (sighs) No, and then on top of it, spoiler alert, (laughs) none of the things that were happening in the house really revolved around this case. Like, Yeah. It was crazy. And there is a lot of disputes on whether the paranormal stuff is actually true, because I know that there's that movie. Yeah, I will talk, we'll about talk about that, about that this later. But, but I just want to say that, like, they skim over us and everything. They touch on it. They're like, ooh, this house, there was a murder. You don't really know. Like, when? Who was the family? How did they get killed? Really? And this is the important part, I feel like. Because mm-hmm. this just happened. And that's how the next family that moved in got the house so cheap. And everything along those lines. Yeah. And I mean, they knew the murders had happened there. So maybe in their minds, they were thinking, this is going to be crazy. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? Okay. Well, that was kind of a shorter thing. (laughs) I I may go on a rant. So that's probably good. I knew that you were going to. So yeah. Yeah. 
it's gonna get a little sassy in here i was texting Haley, and i was like i'm gonna be sassy and she was like why and i was like i'm just going to like these topics have me heated because my next two conspiracies they're conspiracies but they're more like factual i guess like they're not wild alien speculations this is real problems that are happening and are ruining this country and a lot of other countries and yeah so today i'm talking about the truth behind the opioid epidemic so i'm sure a lot of you have heard opioid crisis opioid epidemic and that's been tossed around for the last couple years so First, let's get some stats on the opioid epidemic. So 130 plus people die a day of overdoses and 11.4 million people have misused prescription opioids. So I've also heard a few stats that say after five uses, you can be addicted to them. I believe it. Yeah, they are very, very addictive. And the thing is, how did this all start? Well, in the 19... 90s about the late 1990s pharmaceutical companies were telling the medical community and doctors that people would not get addicted to opioids so doctors started prescribing these like left and right they're like oh well they say they won't get addicted to them so let's trust the pharmaceutical companies never do that let's trust them and we'll just prescribe these at a higher rate so they started prescribing them at a higher rate and then fast forward to today there's a lot more people addicted to them because of how it started in the 1990s and just it all trickles down. It really all does because that led to the misuse is people being prescribed more than they should have been without doctors knowing they were going to be so addictive. So that's where the conspiracy kind of starts. Now, okay, let's talk about how people have been trying to solve the crisis because There was a recent bill in 2018. It was a bipartisan bill, and Trump signed it, and it was addressing the opioid crisis. And experts in the field say that it is definitely not enough. Like, they did not really do a good job on this bill. A lot of the bill focuses on the border and stopping drugs from getting in through our post office, through the border. And, I mean, that's good. We should stop drugs from getting in, but it's not the main thing that needs to be addressed. We need to address rehabilitation of the patients that's what needs to be addressed and there's like barely anything in the bill about helping people recover from addiction and having more centers for that because there's not a lot of places for them to go and the bill also addressed like finding pain treatments that don't involve opioids because if you don't know opioids are usually used for pain treatment so Like, I was prescribed, I don't know what I was prescribed. Like, when I got my wisdom teeth taken out, I had some opioids because it is extremely painful (laughs) when you get your wisdom teeth taken out. (laughs) So, you take, like, one or two of them a day, and it seriously, the pain is gone. Like, they are effective. They are very effective. But they are addictive, so that's why they only give you a certain amount nowadays, because they know that they are so addictive and it is a crisis now. So yeah, people say that this bill is not ambitious enough. They do not have enough money. Like they do not really put any money into the bill. And experts say like we need hundreds of millions of dollars for this, like to actually address this crisis to the fullest extent possible. 
But we're going to talk about kind of a very controversial thing. And I'm not sure if a lot of people are talking about the opioid crisis this way, but I think it is being blown out of proportion, the opioid crisis, because by people thinking this is all we need to address, they are overshadowing other drug use like meth and drugs that are cheaper to get and they're more harmful because let's dive into the statistics and see how many people actually die from meth recently because meth is actually rising if you don't know meth kind of went away for a little bit and then it made a comeback i spent like hours on the internet like the other day just searching up drugs the fbi is probably coming after me right now (laughs) they're like why is she looking up like if you looked at my search history it was like meth flaca like every single drug you could ever think of i probably searched it up but anyway the problem with the opioid crisis being in the media so much and people putting so much emphasis on it is that the emphasis gets taken away from a lot of poorer communities because poor people can't afford opioids as much because okay when legally sold, a 10 milligram tablet of Oxycontin will cost about $1.25, and an 80 milligram tablet will cost $6. When illegally sold, a 10 milligram tablet of Oxycontin can cost between $5 and $10, and an 80 milligram tablet can be between $65 and $80. So when you're getting these illegally, it is extremely expensive. Like imagine $80 for just this one tablet, this one 80 milligram tablet. Like it's expensive. And meanwhile, on the meth side, meth is like really cheap right now. It's kind of been like wholesaled for some reason. So it can be like $5 just for for a decent amount that you can get you like one or two hits. Mm-hmm. So imagine that compared to the Oxycontin, which is $60, $80. So there's a big difference by the type of people who are drawn to these, if you see what I'm saying. It's more oh. people in poverty on this side, which also people who aren't yeah. in poverty. Yeah. And But it's it's a big difference. When well, you there is also a thing, a huge thing in the hospitals, too, where a lot of poor people are getting, like, dangering themselves into, like, car crashes like injuring themselves to the point where they do have to have those Mm painkillers yeah because they'll go to that extent to get them Mm -hmm. because when you get them legally it's five six dollars yeah so if you actually need them so if you get yourself into a car crash or if you jump off a building break your leg then you can get them legally instead of illegally where it's super expensive so that is really bad thing is people will be endangering themselves um but actually Back to trying to solve the opioid crisis. Vermont is actually doing one of the better jobs because they have created something called the hub and spoke system. So they have integrated care into um, their healthcare system. So doctor offices also know how to treat these and they're being trained on this. So this is a good thing. And they have actually had a slight decrease, not a huge decrease in um, overdose death in 2017 um they actually there's something called um hopefully i say this right naloxone it's n-a-l-o-x-o-n-e 
And this is something that first responders can use and it can reverse an opioid overdose. So someone overdoses, they give them this and it will help with that. So this is another thing that we could do to help the crisis is have more first responders have this because a lot of times they won't have it. But that is something that should be looked at. And obviously, um, one of the things that the bill is addressing is fentanyl at the border. And that is good, obviously, but we also really need more recovery centers and it needs to be looked at as an illness instead of something that people put onto themselves. Because I like to look at it this way, just like you're sick, you don't want to be sick. Most people who are addicted, they don't want to be addicted, but you can't stop, you know? I wonder if you have this in the research because I actually talked to a person that was very um, passionate about like these kind of things, very political, mm-hmm. and they said the like legalization of marijuana actually helps people who are addicted to other hardcore drugs get off of that mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, there's a well, actually, there's like so many studies he showed, like told me and showed me that like they do like if you go to like a minor drug like marijuana know how mainly we know how it kind of works we know Mm -hmm. how to take out certain parts of it and all that and also there's only been one person who's ever overdosed on marijuana it's you can't really overdose so it helps people and you kind of like especially in recovery centers if you use that and you know exactly like what's going on and yeah it helps you go from transitioning because it's way hard to go from all to nothing this Mm kind of is like the drug that helps you in between yeah so get back to being clean so yeah that is a good thing to talk about i'm glad you brought that up but yeah it needs to be treated as an illness it's not a choice and a lot of people say oh well they got themselves into that it's like Uh, no no, no. but once you're there's some cases that um a lot of cases too that a lot of people who take it prescribed they get addicted that yeah, way. See, that's the thing. And they get prescribed these. And sometimes doctors will prescribe more than possible. And after five times, I mean, maybe you even need five times. Like the yeah. doctor prescribes five times. So then after that, you still want it. And it's not their fault. It's not yeah. their fault that the doctor gave them that. Yeah. You got to realize some things about mm-hmm. this. It's not their choice. You got to look at other points of exactly. view. Exactly. And a lot of people look at it as their choice and that's also something people look at poverty as their choice but poverty is not a choice it's something it's a cycle like Mm. people see someone on the street someone who's homeless and they think oh well they should get a job okay first of all what do you have to have to have a job you have to have an address you have to have your documents you have to have all of this and also let's think about it this way if you're a business owner if i'm a manager and there's two people i have to choose from an old like homeless man, like let's be honest, or an 18-year-old who has a home and has a car and a way to get to the business. Who are you seriously going to hire? Like you got to hire the 18-year-old. Exactly. And people think like, oh, they should just get jobs. You don't realize how hard it is to get out of that once you're in it. And a lot of them are, you're born into it and it's hard to get out once you're born into it. It's like a cycle. And that is what gets me worked up because People are putting so much into the opioid crisis, which it needs to be put into, but they're ignoring like meth and some of these other drugs because when we have all this funding for opioid abuse, like there's a ton of funding for opioid abuse. Like the government is giving out funds like crazy. 
but it's like they pinpoint things like it'll say in the funding you can only use it for oxycontin in some counties they may not have a problem with that they have a problem with something else like heroin but the like, bill doesn't allow them. Like our state, like our state is the meth state. Like uh-huh. we joke around it so much, and you can drive anywhere in our state long enough, and you will find at least one meth house. You will. You will find it. Like different states have different problems, and when you give them money, you're like, oh, this will help the opioid crisis. You got to look at what other crises they have and what they want to put the money towards. And sometimes they're restricted. They can only use the money for opioids. And maybe they have a different problem like meth or heroin that's causing more death, more problems, and they can't use the money for that because it's for these specific things. Let's see, what else did I write here? I wrote, this is a poverty issue, and I, like, underlined it. Oh, I see. So, yeah, we already talked about how that's, like, a cycle, but... Okay, 11 states said opioids involved in fewer than half of their total drug deaths. Fewer than half, which that's still a big chunk. But think about all that other stuff that is happening, all that other percent of death that they may not have funding for because all the funds are restricted for opioid use when they need money for other things. Like in California... Okay, yeah. Statistics show 2,199 people in California died from opioid-related causes in 2017, though its opioid death rate was actually one of the 10 lowest in the country. California actually has a pretty low opioid death rate compared to other states. They received $195.8 million in funding specifically for opioid use, even though they had just over 2,000 deaths, which think about all the people in California. It's one of the most populated states, yet they have all this money that they have to use for this issue when they need it for other things. So in the CDC actually reported from 2011 to 2016, meth death was up, like had tripled from 2011 to 2016. So, as I said earlier, meth has made a comeback, and it is being overshadowed by the opioid epidemic. It is way cheaper now. It is coming in from Mexico and other regions, and they are converting it into liquid so they can get pack, get past, like, border patrol or get past, like, the mail, the post office. Like, So, they'll put it in shampoo bottles or tea bottles, and it'll be liquid, and then they'll do with it as they will once it gets into the country. But yeah, $5 a dose in like really pure stuff, like Breaking Bad pure. <laughs> so it is a serious issue that they aren't having as much funding for. And it's not being talked about as much because it is kind of more of a poverty issue. And I think people just don't care anymore because the people making our laws are extremely rich. And a lot of them come from rich families. There's not a lot of politicians who don't come from rich families. So that is why this issue kind of goes under the radar. Okay, what else did I write? Oh, yeah. One of the reasons that um, meth was expensive a few years ago is because of the whole Sudafed thing. And um, they made it harder for people to go get Sudafed because they use Sudafed to make meth. You can just buy it in any drugstore. So they would have people go in and they would buy, you can buy it legally, so they'd buy a legal amount, but they would have to have Smurfs go in and buy it. 
in different places, but they actually started checking it, which is good. So that's why it got cheaper. But now that it's coming in and it's in a liquid form, it's like wholesale. Because just like things that come in from China are usually cheaper than things made in the U.S. Like they're being brought in. So that's why it is cheaper. So that's most of what I want to talk about. But I also want to kind of throw in some not fun things, like really sad things, but interesting other drug related things. We're just talking about drugs. It's a heavy topic, guys, but it's something that needs to be talked about. And so I wanted to talk about it, even though it's not really a conspiracy. It kind of is a conspiracy because I think the government doesn't care as much about like real people like issues like poverty issues as much as they care about issues that more affect them so let's talk about flaca have you ever heard of flaca no okay so it's not as big now but it was in florida it was mainly in florida it's kind of similar to cocaine but it's cheaper and it's also kind of like but it's it's similar to cocaine. It's meant to it, be like cocaine. It's like an off-brand cocaine. Yeah, but it's kind of like these pink crystals. Mm-hmm. And although it's supposed to be like cocaine, it's more like a bath salt. Okay. So one dose is 3 to $5. So this is another cheap drug. That's why people go for it. Cocaine's really expensive. It's a rich person drug. Flaca is the cheap version of that. But it is extremely horrible. Like, since, you know, bath salts are, like, horrible. Like, people will start eating each other. Same thing with this. It's been known as the zombie drug because you will lose control of your body. Like, police, I saw one video. A guy was on the ground being tased by two tasers, and he was still crawling, army crawling. It gives you, like, superhuman strength. One guy, he was naked, and you know how there's the back of a car? Yeah. Like a car window on the back? He ran headfirst, naked, into the window, broke it, and went into the car. And then another guy, like a hurricane-proof door, he opened it. Hurricane-proof door, guys. Hurricane-proof. Like, this drug is extremely powerful and super dangerous because people don't have control of their bodies, and they have all this like energy yeah you can get an ounce of it for a hundred bucks while cocaine can be 800 to a thousand oh yeah people will cut it with baking soda and other like fentanyl they'll cut it so that they can get more life out of what they have like drug dealers yeah. will cut it and when you cut it with fentanyl like that is super dangerous you can die from that and we talked about fentanyl too about opioids so it's like extremely addictive and when you're cutting it with that and it could be a really bad reaction. And it's been killing. It killed a lot of people in 2014 to 2015. In certain counties in Florida, they would have eight to ten people in the hospital a day. Like wow. just in a county. But it was coming in from China at first. It was called Alpha PVP. And that was in 2016. But it was banned because the U.S. went over there. It was like, you got to ban Alpha PVP. So they banned it. But guess what they did? They just changed the chemicals a little bit to Alpha PHP. And then they sold it that way. You want to hear something crazy? I just Okay, so I had someone tell me that, um, you know, like pure cocaine and like mm-hmm. pure stuff. Those Some drugs are so, like, you don't want them pure. 
you want the mix with a little bit of something else mm-hmm. or else like you can die like that's mm-hmm. how crazy like like how pure you they are. are like you have to mix it like they want they rather have it like spiked with something than actually be like the pure thing yeah so yeah so like and then um another thing is there's in like russia you know like a lot of things are banned so they made their own like cocaine or something. And wait, it, like, is it crocodile? It, yeah, crocodile, and <gasps> yeah, it like eats the skin. It's and, supposed like, to be like heroin. Wait. It's a cheap heroin. Yeah, it's made like gas oil, Battery acid. acid, and like I watched a video on that too. Yeah, those synthetic drugs are seriously so dangerous. That's what flack is. It's a synthetic yeah. drug, and the thing is, as soon as the police ban it, they can change the chemical composition just, just a, little a little bit, and then it's legal. And then the police, it's like a rat chase. Like you yeah. you think you caught it and then it transforms into something else and you can never fully stop it. And that's what's really scary about synthetic drugs. Like mm-hmm. it's seriously terrifying. What did I also write about? Oh, yeah. This is just a fun fact. Um, Oregon. We all know Oregon. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Oregon. They're actually thinking about legalizing psychedelic mushrooms yeah i heard about that i don't know how i feel about that i don't know how i feel about it either because with psychedelic even though it is natural psychedelic people can have really bad reactions to it yeah and also imagine if someone goes out driving and they start seeing things we haven't we all know that weed's gonna get legalized all of it's gonna gonna get legalized all over But we're still trying to figure out the amount that you can take while driving and, you know, all that stuff. And then also, like, there's certain, like, the difference between, like, uh, THC and uh, CBD. CBD Mm -hmm. won't get you high at all, so you can take as much as you want. Mm -hmm. You'll just be really relaxed, so you can drive. But if you actually take actual weed... Then how much we can take, how much we can drive. It's yeah. just it's a lot. And Chaos doing out. a little better job because they like they have a whole website teaching you like what to like don't do this, don't do this, this is how you roll blunt. Mm-hmm. This is a for real thing. Yeah, we're still like we got I feel like we got alcohol and still causing a lot of problems. I, it is. It's still causing problems. People are still making laws about it too. Yeah. Like, it's it's never ending. And Oregon, I think is still a long way from legalizing shrooms, but they did do a voter poll. And yes, I heard about that. Let's see. What did it say? I think I wrote it down. It was like most people. Yeah, I want to say it was like majority. The majority approved of it for medical use because PTSD and like some of that can be treated with drugs like this. Though also, I... if you think about psychedelic, I, I saw that on the internet. I was like, but also, it could probably make PTSD worse. worse. Yeah, because psychedelic, I think, I know that, like, cancer people use weed because then they give you the munchies and mm-hmm. you, things taste better, you know. Coming from someone who knew a cancer patient, they're like, yeah, you know, a lot of people be smoking and joy in the hospital. Yeah, like, that is good for that. Or I've heard, but, I saw something on the uh, internet about PTSD, like, war yeah. veterans have been using Molly. I don't know. Ecstasy? Okay, I don't know about like any drug that you can have a bad trip. Mm-hmm. Any drug that even closely can have a bad trip, I would not do it at all because yeah. you're taking that chance. And and also, when you get into that, there's there's addiction that comes with that, and there's also, yeah. you know, the possibility of a bad trip, and just you're more vulnerable. There's more danger yeah. in that, and 
you don't know how your body's going to react to something that's powerful like that. Yeah. You never know. But yeah, I thought I'd mention that. Oh, and also Oregon's crazy. They <laughs> actually, possession of meth, heroin, and coke went from a felony to a misdemeanor. Well, there is a lot of talk about, um, there is a lot of drug charges, like, the whole, um, I know a lot of people are saying, like, well, you can rape and kill a person, and you get less than having so much coke or whatever on you, mm-hmm. drug-wise. It's like, yeah. when you have some sort of drug, you can get for life, but if you rape and kill a person, you might get 20 years mm-hmm. or less, like, yeah, depending on what. So it was like, So I looked also at like Oregon statistics yeah. for like drug related death and meth was their top yeah. one like for yeah. most death. So it's really hard. But also in Missouri, we're third in the most meth yeah. use. For real. You can. Number one's D.C. I believe that. And then number two is Michigan, which mm. I believe that too. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because for real. So many times around here, like around Missouri, you can joke about meth. Like you can be like, "Ha, ah, yeah, you know, we have a meth house down there, and that's our neighbors and they're meth heads." I know it's or like crazy, you, or you see people, you know, tweaking yeah. everywhere. You're like, <laughs> it's it's really sad. Like it's a it very destructive drug. Like watch Breaking Bad if you haven't, because you'll see. Like there's one episode in season two, I believe, and you see like this kind of crack house trap house and it's just really sad it's really sad to see like the effect of drugs on people yeah oh we better cut it short yeah we're probably way over time we have uh, we record three at a time sometimes and that's what we're doing today so this was our first one we recorded today but yeah make sure to check us out on instagram and we'll see you next time Bye. bye